everyone, and welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast, where we talk about all things Unreal and also boiled goosts. Goosts? Goosts. I said geese. Geese? <laughs> geese. Geese would be, of course, the or... Uh, yeah, it's, I, I wanted to say goose and then somehow it went longer and then it should have just been geese at that point. Uh, we're your hosts. My name's Alex and welcome back to co-host, uh, Jacob. It's yeah. great to, great to be back. I, I, uh, I was, I was out last week recovering, uh, uh the, the work monsoon, uh, <laughs> following, uh, GDC, but I'm excited to talk about GDC and presumably much more, um, given, uh, our, our track record of, of going on on very long uh, uh, rants about oddly specific Unreal features. I think this is going to be a golden episode if you're, yeah. if you're here for that kind of thing. <laughs> I am, at least. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like we just jump right into it. Uh, yeah. GDC happened a few weeks ago. It was a pretty uh, uh, exciting time. I, I was there and, and got to see uh, uh, a few things. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you want me to jump in on out? Sure. So, uh, yeah, we touched briefly uh, with Vikas about some of the things that I saw remotely, uh, MetaHuman Animator, Procedural Content Generation 5.2. Just saw the live streams of that. You, my friend, were actually there, like, in the hall watching the state of Unreal. So I'd love to hear some of your your reactions to everything you saw. And also just, you know, some of the boots on the ground stuff. How were other people reacting? Yeah. Did you see any exciting Unreal Engine celebrities? Things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean... Um... Yeah, so I, 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 the the context for the the state of Unreal event was, you know, I, I was out there with, with a team of folks from from the company I work for, and I told them all, okay, this is this is the big event, right? We got to be up early, got to be ready uh, to get in line because my assumption was it's a you know it's a smallish theater, it's gonna fill up quick. We got to make sure we're in there, right? I'm not missing this. Uh, and, you know, obviously you go on uh, uh, to some of these conferences, you end up drinking a little more than you think uh, uh, the night before. And so I woke up, you know, uh, uh, maybe I want to say around 7, 7.30, you know, and you know what? I, 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 I splashed some water in my face, got out of bed and rolled up. I said, I'll sober up in line uh, and made it to uh, uh the the theater about an hour before start seating there was already a bit of a line by the time they opened the door it was way way down the block and i think only a, a you know maybe a tenth of the people who had lined up made it in the theater so i felt very lucky that i made it in it, it was really a, a, a an effort uh, but once we we're in there um you know it was pretty exciting to 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 see everyone kind of uh, um just getting ready for for the state of unreal there there were a really interesting mix. I, I mean, I obviously, uh, and I'm wearing my Unreal Fest shirt. Uh, at Unreal Fest, it was kind of funny because it, it was majority non-games, it felt like most of the mm -hmm. time. Um, even though I don't think that's technically true. I think they actually had a little diagram that was like 51, 52% games. But when certainly I, I felt like I was having conversations at Unreal Fest, it was most people were not in the games industry, which was fascinating, right? Yeah. Uh, this obviously being... GDC, the Game Developer Conference, it, it was definitely primarily games folks, who I think are, are typically uh, um, or sometimes excited about different things than you know the the folks who go to like SIGGRAPH or to uh, even Unreal Fest, right? Um, 
and uh, it was ex- it was kind of interesting to see. Uh, I think we were sitting next to some folks from like Niantic, and and there was kind of like the different games houses uh, scattered throughout the theater, and and I assume everyone kind of uh, uh, had a different something they were looking for out of that. Um, but uh, you know, there were a few things I walked into that kind of expecting. I was like, okay, we're gonna get some we're going to get uh, uh, unreal fortnite right because that was teased prior to the event we got the uh, unreal engine for fortnite kind of teaser i expected that we would get 5.2 because there was tons of 5.2 content on the gdc schedule and it's like there's no way they're just going to have all these 5.2 sessions with where no one can actually get hands on with it after the fact so i figured we're going to get 5.2 we're going to get unreal editor for fortnite past that you know it was anyone's guess um but man they they blew it out of the water and it was exciting to see as i'm sure you guys uh, uh touched on um you know in, in the last episode uh it, it's you know the, the funny thing was you know i had like the heckler session section right behind me so if you like listen to the stream there's like one or two people who routinely like make all the annoying noises from the crowd and they were like right behind me so if you want to like position me in 3d space in this theater i was like right there Mm uh but uh those were clearly the unreal engine nerds and everyone else was just like taking notes i guess um but uh yeah it it was an exciting uh, um a really exciting event i i think you know the main takeaways for me from that were I mean, MetaHuman continues to kind of drive things forward at an incredible pace and the accessibility uh, being the focus there. I, I mean, the accessibility is just incredible uh, of MetaHuman. Um, I got to go to, to a few of the talks around uh, like uh, the deformation system that they added. And, and, and I have all sorts of interesting, I don't know about interesting, uh, uh, I have all sorts of uh, thoughts and opinions on, on that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is it is really cool what they're doing MetaHuman. The, I mean, if you saw the the broadcast, you saw the live demo they gave. It, it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, a lot um, of people don't believe that was live. By the way, they think the whole thing was like secretly pre-recorded. From oh, I, your vantage I, point, did it seem like there? Oh were yeah, so it was a hundred percent real. I, yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> the the thing was, so what they did when I went to that second talk about MetaHuman, they showed. Uh, um, a second clip of, of doing these sorts of recordings right and they're like yeah i mean we just have this one tripod that we've been shipping around for your iphone and it's like <laughs> they're like no this is the iphone tripod that we've been recording everything on we just brought it out here for <laughs> for yeah. gdc but yeah no i 100 believe it was real i, I mean I, I think it'd be very difficult in the least to like record the the actress on stage with the same exact exact intonation as with the final like that would be even more difficult than doing it live right like right. trying to like have her somehow perfectly replicate the the performance you know in in sync i, I think would be even more uh, complicated i think it was a risky demo don't get me wrong oh, yeah. um very risky demo but uh, i am sure they they had backups and they did have to do that a couple of times during the conference. They had a few machines lined up and they would just switch between them when Unreal crashed and, and stuff like that. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought that that demo was pretty incredible. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a few kind of uh, criticisms that I potentially come from folks who are looking at, at you know, Unreal and, and some of these features they're rolling out. 
Um, and I saw some of this on Twitter too. Um, I don't know if you saw any of this, Alex, but there was a bunch of people who were like, Unreal is a ton of experimental features that no one can really use. And while it's cool, like trying to ship a game with Unreal, uh, you know, the experience is going downhill because of all the experimental shit that they're introducing. Hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, there, there is room for that criticism in the sense that, um, you know, a lot of these features definitely are experimental. Um, and they're labeled explicitly ex as experimental, but from an engineering standpoint, it's certainly difficult to avoid creep into, you know, non-experimental features when, when you're implementing these sorts of things. Um, yeah. And but, I think for, for folks like you and I who really love playing in the bleeding edge of, of everything and, and uh, seeing what's possible, we really appreciate the fact that Unreal Engine yeah. shares things before they're ready for, for prime time, so to speak. And yeah, they have experimental or beta labels. Um, I, I'd say the most valid critique I have seen is um, Lumen and Nanite not quite being ready for production, but Unreal Engine 5 being so dependent on them that it's not like you can just take what you're doing in 4.27 and upgrade it to 5 and everything's going to be better. There are still a lot of cases where at the moment, it still might make more sense to stay in 4.27. But I love just having this big yeah. sandbox of, you know, all these features that eventually will all be production ready. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. have them do it any other way. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you, of course. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, one thing that people aren't considering, though, is, is the features that they can, that they label as production are typically labeled in production because they are in Fortnite, right? right like, that's right. Right. So they are being tested across every platform and across lots of users, right? The, the production features, um, you know, Unreal. I mean, Fortnite is on 5.1 as far as I'm aware, right? Yeah. So if anything, you should feel comfortable using, you know, 5.1, because uh, if you're going to tell me that your game is going to use more Unreal Engine features than Fortnite, that's a bit, you know, that's a bit sketchy in my opinion. Um, though, I mean, to, 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 you know, be perfectly fair, I, you know, I am not a game developer, right? I, I, I have not shipped a production game in Unreal Engine. So take it all with a grain of salt to say that, you know, the, the, the developer experience is a complicated thing and, and, you know, I, I'm not assuming I, I understand all of it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Fortnite, how are you feeling about the announcement of the Unreal Engine Fortnite editor? Yeah, I, I think this is a pretty incredible uh, tool. Um, I think it, it, in my, my feeling is that there's two ways to, to kind of look at this. One is that... Um, you know, this is a, a competitor for something like Roblox, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I have no investment in Roblox. I really don't know much about it. Uh, so I can't really comment a whole lot on, on the value there, uh, just because I'm not a, a Roblox player. I've never interacted with it. Um, what I will say, though, is on the opposite side, it's an incredible tool for what you, what I would think of as like, you know, Unreal Engine light, so to speak. Yeah. Right. So the Unreal Engine code base has been growing exponentially. I mean, it's it's millions and millions of lines of code, right? Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, all the major subsystems will be, are of course used in Fortnite, like we just mm -hmm. said, right? But in terms of the editor experience with everything that's getting packed into it right now, it's, I think, becoming for you know an entry level user or someone who just wants to make fun stuff yeah becoming more complicated to 
keep up with the pace of innovation that they're pushing, right? Like Triple uh, A Studio has in Unreal has so many features that they have access to, and they potentially have time and effort to put into really developing those into a game. Whereas the average user does not necessarily have have that much time if they're just trying to make an indie game or, mm -hmm. you know, they just want to create an interesting experience to share with their friends, right? Um, so I think the, you know, Unreal Editor for Fortnite is an incredible way to bootstrap just fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, for example, just taking animation, you know, procedural animation out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Just being able to drop an environment in and all of a sudden you you can have your characters running around and, you know, uh, you know, executing all sorts of interesting logic, I think is pretty incredible. You know, that's like, that's a lot of boilerplate kind of stuff that they just kind of clear off, right? Um, and I think I, I'm very excited to see that. Um, Have you, know, you played with it at all yet? I don't imagine you've had time. I, I, I played with it very briefly on the show floor because um, they had a bunch of uh, demo windows and stuff like that. Um, I, I am intrigued by Verse. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, so we covered Verse, I think, uh, quite a few episodes back at this point when they mm -hmm. announced it. Um, and it's, it's a pretty nerdy thing that they introduced to Fortnite um, in the sense that they introduced like a functional programming language. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for those who aren't necessarily familiar with, with functional versus non-functional programming, uh, you know, non-functional programming is like your Python scripting and JavaScript. And I, I mean, JavaScript is actually pretty functional, but think about like Python, okay, uh, where it's very straightforward in the sense that all of your logic flows kind of uh, almost as you would say it, right? Like, so for every object in this bucket, I'm going to do X, Y, Z on that object, mm -hmm. right? Like that's kind of how you would phrase it if you were just a human talking about like executing something, right? Yeah. Functional programming is a little bit different where it's like, um, why is for every X inbox do blah? You know, it's like, it, it, it doesn't come across as a very human way of thinking about code, but what it does do is provide very strong uh, uh, or potentially uh, very fast execution. It's somewhat closer to how uh, um, you know logic and state machines really operate below this, like below, uh, uh, like uh, or behind the scenes, so to speak. Um, and a lot of people really like functional programming because it's extremely concise um, compared to you know non-functional program so mm -hmm. versus a very nerdy functional programming language and it's intriguing uh because there's a few really cool features like for example um they as far as i understand there is a try failure system kind of built into verse where um when you when you want to execute some game logic you can try it without the risk of crashing the 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 program so you just try and if the the whatever you tried succeeded you uh get some return and if it fails it return it you know can execute some other logic so you can create these very interesting trees of logic where you can try and fail at different game mechanics or or different you know objectives over and over again without you know running into issues uh, uh, with, you know, the compiler or, or the runtime, which I think is pretty fascinating. So like, you know, if you're doing the same kind of logic in C++, you're straight out of luck, right? Like if a function you execute fails for any reason, 
right? Like that is a crash, right? More or less, right? Uh, obviously, that's a, a simplification, and I'm I'm not a, a very hardcore C++ developer, so don't come at me, those folks who are. Come at him. But there's some really interesting stuff. I I am intrigued as to how they want to sell this to the Fortnite crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Like Verse is, is definitely not what I would describe as know your first programming language kind of thing yeah um at least from the outside right um and obviously i i think it conflicts with blueprints uh, to, to an extent which is interesting right um my understanding is that going from you know verse to the underlying c plus plus in, in the engine is very straightforward mm -hmm. but i think tr the reason that they couldn't integrate verse into unreal the editor, mm -hmm. uh, the full Unreal editor, is because Verse doesn't really work well with blueprints, not really with, you know, C++. So now they have this weird triad they're trying to, to deal with, right? And then they also added Python to the engine yeah. right, for scripting, uh, not really for runtime scripting, right? But for, you know, editor scripting and stuff like that. So now there's this whole ecosystem of different languages you can use to interact with the engine and Verse's really only uses Fortnite objects and objectives as far as I know. So like, it's definitely gotten a little more complicated when it comes to like where, what you do and what. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really intrigued to, as to where they go with that, but um, it's exciting to see. It's definitely exciting to see. I'm really curious to see what people come up with, uh, with Fortnite, um, you know, Unreal Engine for Fortnite. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. Um, the thing that I am surprised by how excited I am is the um, uh, source control system, which just yeah. kind of works <laughs> out of the box. It's so straightforward. And yeah, yeah I, 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 made, I, like, I very quickly made a team with like a few different accounts and like we had multiple people inside the same map at the same time and like, yeah, so much better than Perforce. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, I, I've been hearing whispers uh, of this for a while and I'm sure mm -hmm. you you probably did too, um, but it's it's very funny that it rolls out with Fortnite. I, I mean, it, it makes sense to some extent because um, you're you're as far as I understand, you import. There's an import process for assets from the editor, Unreal Engine editor, into Unreal Engine for Fortnite. Or it's a little messy. That, like you, yeah. uh, it seems like it would be really simple because you literally just migrate from Unreal exactly the same way you would migrate to any other Unreal Engine project. But yeah. then, you know, Unreal grabs all the things that it thinks it's going to bring to another Unreal Engine project. And then a bunch of those things like blueprints, like certain right. materials and material functions, they get over to the Fortnite editor and like those are all broken. So sure, you know, sure, it's sure. a little messy, but the, the core geometry is there. It's kind of cool. I took some like architectural levels of other projects and it's like, aha, now it's in a Fortnite map. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'm curious if if they specifically designed the source control system to stay away from like uh, blueprint dependencies and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah. What like why can't we have this for for the editor, right? I know. I I mean, they have to give it to us eventually. Like it's it's so much better than yeah. working with GitHub or Perforce or any other system I've dealt with. We're doing stuff with plastic right now that like it would just seem so cruel to not also bring this to Unreal. 
Um, the other thing I want to mention briefly about the editor is it was very interesting a few weeks ago. I, I think I mentioned briefly um, having my kids in Unreal Engine and trying to get them uh, up and running with like a little game they wanted to design. And so they were doing the landscape tool and they were creating these ramps and I was showing them how they could import the different game templates to have like a car or a person who's running um, or flying or VR. And that was cool, but it's still like, I'm showing them the entire Unreal Engine editor. And I've been doing this for a few years, but of course it's still very intimidating. So yeah. to go from that to opening up the Unreal Engine Fortnite editor with them, a lot fewer buttons. And then all those Fortnite assets just available where it's like, yeah. let's drop a car spawner and a hel helicopter spawner and a dirt bike spawner. And yeah. let's use this volcano island. And like, it was so quick to not only just start to set up something that was based entirely on their suggestions, but then to say like, okay, test. And then we go to the other room and we open up our PS5 and like suddenly, you know, they're using their their PlayStation controllers to uh, to play our game that we just made five seconds ago um, in Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it in terms of like, like I said, just having making fun stuff and providing that accessibility. I think it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I am very intrigued to see where they go with it. I think it's 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 um it, it was the the next logical move for for uh the kind of creative stuff that they were doing in fortnite yeah. um i i yeah i i don't know i i i think the jury is is still out on how this fits into the ecosystem you know the existing ecosystem of unreal engine developers like how many of them will cho would choose to use this system over the existing right. one you know uh, using unreal editor for fortnite over unreal editor yeah i think that is a bit different you know so that said like we'll we'll just have to see we'll see what people come up with maybe it's so cool that like you know uh indie devs don't feel like they need to go out and and you know, ship their own game right like maybe yeah. i we'll have to see right well and there's some there's some interesting potential for like sandboxing or workshopping a game inside Fortnite with this yeah. user base and then eventually you know saying like oh actually now i want to add more custom features now let's bring it to unreal did you ever play uh the, the forgotten city uh no no. So it's an Unreal Engine game, but it started as a Skyrim mod, which is kind of cool. Oh, so the okay, entire okay. like playtesting and development was done just as part of Skyrim. And then it got so popular that they finally like split off and brought the whole thing to Unreal Engine and uh, and made it. But I, I love the idea that this could be uh, a good onboarding system where someone could have like a seed of an idea, get something running in the Fortnite editor. Suddenly a bunch of people start to play it and offer feedback. And then they have like a really good game plan literally to, to go build it out into something yeah. more mature. That's pretty cool. I, I honestly hadn't, hadn't thought about it from that angle. That That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are, what was it that was, um, I mean, uh, Battlefront, right? Was yeah. a, a mod for, um, it was like uh daisy uh no it was like the zombie you know like um uh, arma right uh, arma 3 right i i think was battlefront was a, a mod for arma 3 if i remember clearly someone's gonna call me out on that if i'm wrong um but yeah i mean and and then battlefront spawns fortnite competitor you know like i i don't know i yeah. i think that is an interesting story to tell um yeah, I, but I, I think the Unreal Editor for Fortnite is really cool, and I think people should be excited about it. Yeah. I think, I think the, the last thing that really struck me from 
that keynote was PCG or the procedural content generation tools mm -hmm. in 5.2. You know, this, this is something they had been teasing small bits of for a while now, right? Like yeah. we had at Unreal Fest, there were a few talks on, you know, procedurally generating, um, uh, you know, geometry, geometry scripting has been around a while. Yeah. We've also had like the procedural foliage box where you can just yeah. drag a box around and it'll put like trees in there. Yeah. So I, I, I think it was really cool to see them lean in on this. Um, obviously the demo they gave was awesome. Yeah. Um, but that was a very, you know, contrived demo, so to speak. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I, I think that's an extremely cool tool. Um, I personally, like if I, if I had a bunch of time to spend messing around in Unreal, that's probably what I would be spending a lot of time messing around with. Yeah. Because if you can, if you can build compelling content procedurally, like you have the ability to create just much larger scale than you could otherwise, right? And, and that's always been my feelings with like Houdini and Houdini Engine and, um, you know, being able to, to do that kind of stuff, I think is, is really cool. Ever since we got the atmosphere sky system that started to actually, you know, yeah. create like a proper world, I started to imagine what like a no man's sky built in Unreal Engine would look like. And then like world partition came out. It's like, okay, this is better for the open world system. But the question was always like, okay, but how would you actually make enough content? And this starts to head in that direction where you could start to imagine literally no man's sky levels of worlds where all that content yeah. is procedurally generated. And you can pretty much count on anywhere you go. It's going to look good and work well yeah i mean it was actually not even possible before unreal engine 5 right yeah. to do that because the world scale got capped mm -hmm. um uh, uh just due to the uh the coordinate precision that was capable uh that was possible in unreal engine 4 um so like the maximum uh, uh world coordinates was like in the few millions of meters mm. which is not enough as yeah. it turns out for, you know, interplanetary games. <laughs> um, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, maybe you should reconsider if you're just going to do like physically accurate, you know, you know, universes, like you're <laughs> yeah. probably going to still end up with some like overflow error, but um, it is possible now. Uh, and I would, yeah, I haven't seen anyone really give that a shot, but you have to imagine with some of the procedural content stuff, like I, I'd also imagine it's still going to require a, a some tools that don't exist yet, right? Like um, uh, procedurally generating like spherical objects mm. uh, with terrain, like a lot of that tooling is probably still closer to the Houdini side yeah. to, right now than Unreal Engine side, but everything that's going on with the modeling tool set, geometry scripting and PCG means, I, yeah, I totally see that there's a possibility for those kinds of games to start popping up and I'm all for it. I think that mm -hmm. sounds awesome. Yeah, I and mean, it just reminds me of so much of the the exciting things going on right now with AI and ChatGPT and you know uh, Midjourney and all that, where we're starting to get to that point where you can be a little bit more of a, a curator instead of a raw creator. So you can kind of start to give like the guidelines, yeah. the prompts, the parameters, and then say like th this is the rules of the world that I want to create, and then there it is, and and it yeah. now is doing so much more than you would ever have the time to do or the resources to do on your own. Yeah, for sure, I, and and. This is kind of leaning into something I was going to mention earlier um, around the metahuman deformation stuff. Yeah. So like, um, like right now inside of the editor, so, I mean, Unreal Engine editor used to always just 
like all the interfaces were very much involved in just asset like creation management like you'd open up your actor you'd be setting actor everything was very like um how do i put this it, like all the different ui components were really just designed to in interact with the level editor yeah um or objects within it um but for example with this metahuman deformation system you can now do actual like AI, you can train <laughs> a, a very small, albeit, uh, uh, n like neural net on this deformation system inside of the editor. There's like mm -hmm. a training. It's it's kind of wild. You press a button and literally the little Unreal Engine dialogue says, oh, training, training, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's not something that we would have seen a few years ago. Like we, yeah. we would not have seen Unreal dip their toes into that sort of functionality within the editor right it would have mm -hmm. been an import you know import your model like that mm -hmm. i could have seen but no they're they're doing actual training and and the stuff with metahuman like when you're doing when you're trying to derive like someone's facial structure from a few images or you're trying to you know match like that's also doing behind the scenes probably some inference on a model somewhere like i i don't i don't know how that works right like i haven't been hands-on with it but mm -hmm. um so I, I think we're starting to see way more like computationally intensive tasks in the editor that are not have nothing to do with render, you know, rendering. Yeah. Um, and given all the stuff they're doing with, you know, like we said, uh, um, you know, modeling and generating content, you can certainly see the room there for, you know, some AI generated tools to, to you know, get involved. I think there's a lot of resistance to it right now and and i get that um but i will be intrigued to see how they start to introduce those features because i'm assuming they will yeah and ever since you know metahuman creator started which is all these aws instances spun up on the cloud like it certainly seemed like oh well if epic already has you know this this giant army of of cloud computing um why wouldn't they also start to use that for other you know uh machine learning or, or whatever kinds of uh, yeah. reasons as well so it seems like that's starting to finally happen in a larger capacity um and by the way on the metahuman side um I, you know they did mention during that main demo like the tongue gets like yeah you know, placed correctly and there's like teeth uh um checking as well but then there was like another little demo that i actually found in another youtube video that was showing like back deformation well, that, that's like that's what i muscles. was that's what i'm talking yeah. about yeah so yeah, to yeah. talk a little more about that side of it in particular yeah so the I'll, I'll try my best to summarize the um solution that they came up with essentially what you can do is inside of um right now uh it's a workflow that bridges between houdini the editor and Maya. So mm -hmm. this is really for very like uh, full production focused people, uh, so to speak. Not to say you couldn't go out and do this, right? Um, but essentially what you do is inside of Houdini, you, you do Valum, so like muscle simulations, mm -hmm. right? And uh, you import a, a, like a, a skeleton into Houdini, you simulate um, the muscles in multiple positions so essentially like you capture a bunch of like uh, uh training data from mm -hmm. houdini um, around different muscle positions and stuff like that 
Um, and the animations, I, I believe the idea is like in Maya, you they have a tool to procedurally generate a bunch of different target poses and stuff like that. You bring it under Houdini and you simulate the training data and then the training data gets imported into Unreal. Cool. And once you have that model, you can do some final uh, um, tuning inside of the editor to apply that to your like uh, to your rig in, or skeleton inside of Unreal. Mm -hmm. um, with the idea, and you get some pretty incredible results. Um, the you know they showed it with MetaHuman, though in theory it can apply to any sort of character. It doesn't have to be um, you know a MetaHuman or, or realistic human. Uh, but the end result is that you essentially have a network which is designed to um, uh, designed in this problem space of like. Uh, uh, deformations at different angles of different limbs mm. and you get just realistic like you can do it with clothes too right so like you get clothes that fold on themselves in the right way you get muscles that contract and expand in, in, in the correct ways and they interact with each other more naturally um, and the entire solution is uh, you know essentially ai based so there's a you essentially train a very small network to understand those deformations uh, yeah. And after that's happened, can the deformations run in real time? Or yeah, does it all, yeah, yeah, they do. Wow. So they cool. do run in real time. The the um, I can't remember what the final output. I I don't think it's like blend shapes or anything like that. Um, I do believe it's still applying um, the effect in real time. But if I remember clearly, and, and I'm really stretching my my memory here, so I apologize. If, if I, I I will make sure to link the talk if I can find it or if it's available. Um, but, uh, my, my, if I remember clearly the impact in real time was like, uh, I want to say up to a millisecond. So mm -hmm. it, it's not insignificant, right? Like, but for your like hero characters and in, in certain situations, it adds really a, an extraordinarily convincing effect, yeah. uh, particularly with, with muscle or, or loose clothes or, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, people don't really realize that there's a reason, like for a lot of games, characters wear really tight clothing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's so that you don't have to simulate a bunch of like cloth flapping around everywhere, right? Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, for, for certain use cases, it's really, really cool. And the fact that you have essentially a, so again, you generate the training data in Houdini, right? Like this is your computationally intensive data that takes a long time to generate. Mm -hmm. And you import that into Unreal, and then you train a smaller network, uh, like a small neural net, to understand that deformation space, so to speak, right? And then they just—they're literally doing uh, inference off of it. It's like a compute shader kind of thing mm -hmm. um, in real time, right? Um, so yeah, super cool. Um, that's the kind of thing I'm—I'm I'm, I'm kind of thinking. Like this is how they're going to start introducing more AI features. I I, I was actually at that um, that talk with, uh, uh, you know, one of one of uh, my company's clients that uh, used to be at DreamWorks, and he was telling me a little bit about some of the work they had done. And and this is public information. Yeah, uh, DreamWorks pub published a bunch of papers on this sort of thing. Um, so like, supposedly this sort of work and, and these sort of applications of AI in in film and TV and, and even games has been around, but the fact that it is a, you know, like a UI editor inside of Unreal is pretty insane to me. 
Yeah, and I I wonder too about um, because Unreal Engine has become such a one stop shop for so many things. I wonder about the different layers of um, I want to say precision we might get to where there's going to be like the live version and, and Live Link Face is a good example of this because that's now going to be fractured into like the actual live version and then the version of what happens with um, meta humans and training and, and machine learning. But in addition to the the live version and that processed version. I'm also always thinking about when you finally are rendering something out of like movie render queue and could there be some additional C bars or something where in the same time, if you're doing like a path tracing pass, you're like, hey, yeah, it's okay, Unreal. You don't need to render this at 90 frames a second. You can spend three minutes per frame and like really get everything exactly right. I wonder if we'll also start to see a similar thing there where you can say like, I know we've already got this training data or whatever, but like, I want you to really get into the weeds and like spend an extra couple minutes on everything every frame like making sure everything is like film quality ready yeah yeah i i mean i i think like when you look at the path tracer and you look at some of the the features they're rolling out there um and i i think i i don't know if, if i probably have already given this rant but uh <laughs> you don't like the path tracer <laughs> i don't like the path tracer in Unreal. i think it's it's very much a a a cop-out um for the technology that's been developing for so long yeah um and, and a lot of people use it as as a crutch mm -hmm. um in my opinion yeah <laughs> but um you know I, I i think in the world we live in today right i there is a lot of value in being able to preview something quickly mm -hmm. even if that quality is is a little bit lower yeah with the ability to understand that in, in a somewhat deterministic way, what a final image could look like, right? Mm -hmm. um, because if you have something low quality and you can't really imagine it in full quality, then yeah. what you're going to end up doing is a lot of iteration. You're going to wait for that full quality render to finish, and then you're going to have to go back and fix it, and you're going to have to cycle through that a bunch of times, right? Um, but if your like real-time preview is close enough that you can understand what the final output is, mm -hmm. you know, in a deterministic way where you don't have to do your iterations through that final output, mm -hmm. then I think that's there's real value there, right? And I guess that's kind of what you're getting to, right? Uh, you know, if, if you can have, I mean, even right now with Lumen or, or you know, RTX GI and, and all these other tools, I mean, we should probably also comment on uh, Cyberpunk's uh, new ray, tra ray tracing direct features, I think what they call it. Oh, okay, yeah, tell me more about um, that. But um, like uh, those those tools are getting very very close to final path trace results mm -hmm. in real time, um, to the extent that you know certainly for games you know it's plenty. Um, when that gets good enough for you know virtual production or you know final frame, I don't know, um, but it is close enough that you can certainly understand what the final image will look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that is interesting. Um, like the, the final process should just be a cleanup. It, yeah. It's kind of what it, it, it seems like things are tending towards. And as it turns out, actually AI is pretty good at that too, mm -hmm. right? Like it's pretty good at taking a noisy image and developing it into, you know, a target image with no noise. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I totally agree that there's lots of room for that thing, but I, I don't like the path tracer. <laughs> <laughs>
that's fair. Yeah, I, personally, I tend to just I'll turn it on every so often just to be like, how close am I to like that ground truth reference? And then I'll turn it back off and go back to using Unreal in the normal way. Right, right. right. Yeah. Anything I, uh, else at GDC that got you excited? Did you go through the exhibit hall? Anything? Yeah, there? yeah. I, I, I walked around. I so I ran into T Tim Sweeney, which is oh wow, amazing. Well, so right after you know the the state of Unreal, we had a uh, we had a meeting with with a someone uh, from Epic, and so we rushed over to their meeting rooms, and then we were just standing there in kind of the common room after our meeting, and like the entire cast from State of Unreal, including Tim Sweeney, just walked mm -hmm. in, and I was just standing there trying not to freak out. Right? Like, <laughs> I was just trying to keep my cool because you know we were there for business, and I wasn't just gonna like become a complete <laughs> fanboy. I should have. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to become a complete fanboy, right? Uh, and uh, uh, but yeah, he was just hanging around. I I definitely freaked out a little bit internally. Anyways, nice. Um, actually, later in the week when I was flying out, I I met Adam Savage at the San Francisco yeah. airport too. <laughs> so cool. I had like a full week of seeing a bunch of people that I just like I'm such a nerd about. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, other cool stuff on the floor. Um, honestly, you know, Epic really dominated a lot of the attention from GDC. Yeah. Uh, because there were a lot of companies where you could very clearly see the overlap between the technology Epic was bringing to the market and what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. So like, for example, you know, Perforce obviously was there, right? And, you know, they have that little checkbox as like uh, Unreal Source Control. And you're like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't know if I really want to use Perforce if Epic's doing something, right? Like, yeah. and there were a bunch of people who were doing like AI, you know, uh, uh, motion capture or face reconstruction is like well you know i'm gonna use metahuman i'm not gonna use you know like yeah um, and and this is very much from my perspective like I, like i said i'm not a i'm not a game developer so there are there are definitely more fine-grained choices to be made in this mix um but uh certainly from from looking at it from from my perspective it did seem like there was a lot of you know competition in the games industry that was being kind of sterilized by if you were part of the Unreal Engine ecosystem, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that story would have been very different, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, particularly with Unity, right? Like mm -hmm. um, Unity would have been the hottest, you know, uh, hottest, hottest company on the block yeah. for a long time. Um, and now their booth was right next to Epix, right? Um, and it was like the second biggest booth, as you'd imagine, right? But there was nothing as impressive as what epic was showing right there's yeah. just well thinking about so i was at gdc last year um speaking on the future realities track and epic famously did not have much of a gdc presence at all last year and it was my very first time at gdc and everyone who was a veteran was like bemoaning the, the lack of epic and just feeling like there was a big hole where epic should be throwing parties, having a crazy booth, giving amazing yeah. talks. And uh, and it was funny to like just feel the 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 aura of that. Because yeah, Unity had a big presence and I got like a cool Unity t-shirt and things like that. But um, everyone was commenting on the lack of Epic. And also like, it's interesting to think about the kinds of booths that Unity is showing at things like GDC. I'm curious what you saw there this year. Last year, they were showing like the Ziva Dynamics stuff, which is like a little like MetaHuman. They were showing a little of the stuff from yep. Weta who they acquired but in all those cases those to me read as like very particular tech demos and not something that like an indie developer could pick up and just start like working with like those look like polished things that a giant team worked on 
And uh, I, I've always been impressed with Unreal Engine's ability to distill something really complicated yeah. into something that anyone could pick up and start to learn. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think if you're looking at... So, for example, MetaHuman, it, it's been shipped in a, quite a few games already. Yeah. Right? Like, there are a bunch. Um, I don't know about, you know, Unity's, uh, you know, competition, you know, how Unity competes there. But what I will say is that the biggest difference for me between, uh, oh, you're a blinking IV cam. Uh, oh, for no. those who are listening, ah! Alex just turned <laughs> into a blinking IV cam uh, image. So I'm back. Um, <laughs> I'm still here though. All right, all right, all right. Uh, anyways, I, I think the the biggest difference between Epic and Unity and why they've had so much success with these experimental features is because of their licensing. Right. Because anyone can get into it and just start playing with these tools. Like they get free press all over the place yeah. from people who are just doing cool stuff with it, right? Um, or, you know, short films or... Obviously, the virtual production side, Epic has a fairly large lead. Uh, but I, I think it does come down to licensing. Um, because if you're in this space and you are looking to play with some of the latest and greatest tools out in the market, um, you know, then you're probably looking for something that is has the easiest entry point, right? And you're looking for something where there's lots of, you know, content out there like tutorials and stuff like that right and you're going to find a lot more uh, of that on the new unreal engine features because there's just way better access to them yeah right? um and and i think that's what's exciting to see now there was no epic games party at G oh really as far as i'm aware oh um, so there <laughs> there's like um uh there oh you're, you're i blanking. know it's okay i i'm aware <laughs> um <laughs> so Right next to the convention center, there was this Marriott, uh, and uh, it was an absolute madhouse. It's an enormous Marriott, all right? But at the top, there was this bar that has these, like, Death Star windows up top. <laughs> um, so one night during, during the conference, I met up with some folks uh, from the training team and just the random assortment of very niche Unreal Engine celebrities, I guess. Love it. <laughs> uh, you would call it. Um, and go up there and it's absolutely mobbed, right? Because there's no like official, again, there's like a, a lot of Unreal Engine folks there because there's no official uh, Epic Games party. Uh, but they actually had to shut down the elevators. Oh no. <laughs> they had to shut down the elevators to the top because it was getting too crowded of just nerds uh and it was wild it was wild yeah. mm -hmm. um but no there's no epic games party just this like one really really crowded marriott yeah funnily <laughs> enough at south by southwest which i i was told going into south by southwest that there was no unreal engine presence there uh there actually was an epic games party at south oh, really? by southwest that i i feel so bad about because it sounds like a lot of really cool people went to it i went to another party that was at the same time and i should have gone to the epic games party <laughs> yeah yeah you, you should have when in doubt, go to the Epic Games party. It's likely going to be the best thing out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fortnite money is good money, right? Like, it is good money. The, <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the synopsis, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it it was a good time overall, and uh, it was it was an exciting week. Um, I'm trying to think uh, what else was. Oh yeah, GTC happened the yeah. same week. So that's Nvidia's Nvidia. 
uh, now it's very AI focused conference. Yeah. Um, but they did uh, speak a little bit about Omniverse, which is their, uh, what should I call it? Uh, uh, asset management, content creation, visualization platform, whatever. Very elegant. Um, it's the best I can do. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it is a really cool platform. I, I do recommend people at least check it out. There are like free versions of it, which I think are actually pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely worth, you know, even for someone who's not interested in professionally using it, it's worth an hour playing around with it because it does have some really cool features on being able to, you know, multi, uh, edit, edit things with multiple users and multiple different, you know, uh, apps and, and visualize. Like there is some really cool stuff there. Um, but uh, this year they they you know they announced uh, a few features for it, um, but overall it's kind of just uh, exciting to see where that's going in, in in this space with USD. Like USD was a big topic as well as GDC. Mm -hmm. um, USD and and asset management has definitely become a, a pretty large topic, um, larger than it was, I guess. Um, uh, and then the last thing I have here on my list is is pixel streaming. We didn't we didn't mention this. Um, but Alex, do you want to share a little bit about what, what you've been messing around with? Yeah, so I've been fortunate to be uh, someone who's been poking our mutual friends at TensorWorks for a while, um, saying how much I wanted to get, um, first of all, WebXR to work with pixel streaming. Um, and as part of the, the system that has made that possible, they've also made it so that you can stream multiple cameras out of Unreal Engine via pixel streaming. Why is that exciting? First of all, unless you're in the Unreal Engine editor, there's not a great way to make a build in Unreal Engine and use multiple monitors and say like, I want camera A, B, C, D, et cetera. Um, it's actually kind of a pain, even if you want to just set it up for like a little video village sort of thing. But now with the, the pixel streaming setup starting in 5.2, you can just designate any camera um, uh, technically not a camera, technically you're using the scene capture 2D component, but you can take that and add what's now called the streamer component. And then you basically just activate that. And now when you're in pixel streaming, you get this great little dropdown of like, here's all the active streamers in your scene. And so you can have a video village. You can have yeah. uh, a, a local multiplayer game where everyone, instead of like a split screen, everyone could be on their own computer in their own browser, seeing their own view, and they can all be running from one Unreal Engine instance. So I did put out a little uh, tutorial on getting started with setting that up. I even did like a very short two minute like speed run tutorial, which I've gotten some nice feedback from. Maybe I'll start doing more of those. Like how quickly can I explain this very <laughs> new concept? That'd be cool. It's yeah. like, um, uh, there was a guy who who did all those Unreal Engine videos uh, and blueprints on like XYZ in 60 seconds, I think. Yeah. Um, you should try to do like, yeah, so some like pixel streaming or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> some VR, AR stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a super cool feature. It's been it's been down the pipe for a while. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it opens the doors, especially for, you know, a lot of... Um, know virtual production or just like film tv production uh, um like it, it's gonna be super useful for folks who want to you know distribute views of a scene you know worldwide kind of thing yeah. 
Um, so I, I'm really excited to see where that's where that's going. Um, yeah, and we're of course excited to see what we can do with it for live events. You know, like yeah. we did this production of uh, Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard uh, back in July of last year, and as part of that live show, we had an interactive way where people could pick the real cameras in the space and kind of pick their own view. And now through this feature, we could do the same thing, but entirely um, within an Unreal Engine environment, even if there's CG plates and live action and and you know any number of different fun virtual production things going on. It just opens up a world of possibilities. So yeah. very excited to see what not only us, but other people do with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's uh, there's all sorts of really interesting possibilities. And, and pixel streaming is becoming more robust um, yeah. kind of every day, which is exciting to see for sure. Um, well, cool. I think we're, we're getting near the end here. Do you have any shout outs you'd like? To I, I do have a shout out. Before we do shout outs, yeah. though, um, I just have to ask. So as yeah, I yeah, hope yeah. our listeners know, Jacob knows a lot about Fortnite, big Fortnite fan, me uh, kind of a Fortnite Luddite, but between the Unreal Engine Fortnite editor and the new season of Fortnite, uh, I'm suddenly becoming much more interested in Fortnite. Oh, yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Attack on Titan. And so when I saw that Eden and Mikasa and um, Levi were going to be part of this new season, I thought like, okay, I should at least learn like what a battle pass is and like some of this stuff. So first question is, have you played it all with um, the new season and, and any of these new things that just unlocked like yesterday? I have not yet. I have yeah. not. Sounds like I need to. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, like I've said from the start, Fortnite is the best way to see what a good unreal engine experience looks like if you're uh, and so just like play and see what the new features are i mean it's, it's really cool and, and very briefly like walk a newbie like me through like okay so i've never spent any money yeah. on fortnite before there's these new skins weapons yeah something called mythics none of this stuff means anything to me if i am really excited about playing with these new characters and and all that what's kind of the quick start guide for like what i would need to do so either you need to spend a lot of time playing the game <laughs> yeah. right or you can spend like 20 bucks mm -hmm. and just like buy the skin you want, right? The battle pass allows, it gives you access to unlock them via playing a lot, mm. right? Uh, so you spend, and, and if you play enough Fortnite, you can earn enough V-Bucks by playing to get a battle pass every once in a while. So you right. technically don't need to pay anything. You just got to play a lot. But if you haven't played a lot and you want to get a battle pass this season, yeah, you got to spend like five, 10 bucks. Yeah. And then you can, then you have earned the right to play a lot to get it mm -hmm. or pay another 10, 15 bucks and just buy the skin. So, gotcha. when, and look, I'll be perfectly transparent about this. <laughs> I don't, I don't have enough time to, to play a ton of Fortnite. Yeah. So when, you know, like the Dr. Strange skin drop, I just, I just bought my way there. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and act like I, I'm a incredible Fortnite player. But I wanted the Doctor Strange skin. They got me there, right? Like capitalism is a bitch <laughs> sometimes. They got me, right? Um, but I honestly, I'm fine paying 20 bucks for Fortnite over its lifetime. Like that's that's a pretty cheap uh, price to pay for for the amount of uh, you know content that they give, right? And, and I guess I still don't quite understand how the seasons work. So like you bought that Doctor Strange skin. Do you still have access to it, or is it gone? Oh down yeah, no, you you, you have access to it forever. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if I'm if I'm really excited about the ODM gear Spider-Man mechanics from Attack on Titan and I buy the, those tools and those weapons, like those aren't going to oh, go so, away at the end of the season. So the the, the weapons change yeah. every season. Okay. But the skins you can keep, right? So gotcha. like you're really excited as 
playing as that character in terms of like the visual appearance that is permanent but they change the weapons every season so that you can obviously it has to rebalance with anything they introduce into the world so like you might be able to play with the like specific weapons for that character for a little bit but you know next season you probably want like one of our you know jade my fiance and i uh, mm -hmm. are uh one of our favorites is was the spider-man oh sure uh, uh, like costume that you could get inside of the the world where you could like swing around like spider-man it was so much fun yeah. and then a few seasons or i think you know a a, a a season later obviously it was gone we were a bit sad about it but i was like oh well that was fun right yeah get new content uh, but they're really good about introducing you know new fun weapons to play with and so um yeah it's just a, it's it's awesome it's awesome content i i feel like anyone who who is interested in unreal engine should, should play it uh even even casually right yeah oh cool that's great i'm definitely going to jump in and probably uh pay a little bit of money seems like i can give back to epic a little bit epic's been very good to me i can throw a little bit of money their way <laughs> we, we should play we should play some fortnite together we should, that'd right? be fun i bet you could teach me a lot just about like basic you know how <laughs> yeah. to build a build a fort or whatever yeah i'm <laughs> terrible why it's at called building. fortnite right because you build I'm, a fort and sometimes I, I it's guess, nighttime i guess i'm terrible at building so <laughs> you won't get very good uh instructions from me out of that that's funny but, yeah cool all right. All right. You ready to jump into some uh, some shout outs here? Yeah. So my favorite kind of people are the ones who uh, dive into Unreal Engine and they decide there's one particular thing in there they want to learn a lot about. And so they go super, super deep down a rabbit hole. They figure a bunch of stuff out. And then not only do they say, hey, here's a cool thing I made, but then they emerge from the rabbit hole and they come out and they say, now let me tell you what I've learned. I've, I've gone on the hero's journey and, and now I want to share it with you. And so there is um, someone on Twitter named Han Yang VFX, and he decided to go down a rabbit hole of how to get amazing car crashes, and I'm frozen, out of Unreal Engine. <laughs> and uh, he used like the destructible meshes that are part of the Matrix City demo, but he just figured out like what's the minimum viable product to actually like orchestrate your own car crashes. And what he did looked amazing. And then he gave a course and he has a Twitter thread that breaks it all down and like, you know, here's what you need to know in like eight minutes. And I love it. And it's fantastic. And we'll have a link to that in the, the show notes. Everyone should check that out if you have any interest in having really exciting car crashes. And I also love there's like a cinematography side to it where he's like, well, and when you're filming the car crash, you should really be driving another car and like have the camera coming out of that car because that's what you would typically do in like a live action shoot. And it, it just looks phenomenal. That's <laughs> Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I have uh, one or two shout outs. One, I want to shout out um, Ryan from Skyglass. Uh, we've mentioned uh, this this app a, a while back. Yeah, it does like uh, uh, real time compositing on your phone inside of Unre like Unreal Engine scenes. It's quite cool. Yeah, uh, their app went live now on the App Store, so you should check it out if Woo. you want to. If you want to you want to see this kind of tech work but we met up at gdc and uh, uh he's a cool guy so i want to give him a quick shout out um i i think i have another but i'm gonna go back to you in case you have one yeah um i just want to give a shout out to uh to fluid ninja which is uh something i, I hadn't really been following that closely i think you might have mentioned them at some point jacob but um some of the stuff i've been seeing i i can't even really shout out a particular creator um, but just, yeah, if you look at at Fluid Ninja Live, the ability to simulate water and smoke and sand 
uh, in Unreal yeah. Engine is at a level that I I just never would have thought possible live. Like literally, just go into Twitter and type in Fluid Ninja and just start scrolling down and be amazed. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's actually it for me. I I have not been up on my usual antics in in Twitter, uh, but shout out to to all the folks that uh, got a chance to meet up with the GDC. It was a good time. Looking forward to. To seeing those folks again, shout out to to you know Unreal Engine, I guess. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> any uh, are there any events or anything coming up for you, Jacob? If people wanted to try to snab you in person, snab you? Uh, I was going to say snab. snag and grab snab you. Well, you should have said uh, nab because uh, I'm actually I might be at NAB next week. There we go. Um, the one in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I I don't know if, how well that. Well, I'm sure Epic will be there. Actually, I know they will. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I don't know uh, if, if anyone's there wants to meet up, feel free to, to hit me up on Twitter. Um, Jacob Feldman 17, I think I can never remember this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I re- I, yeah. Jacob Feldman 17 on Twitter. If you want to message me, I'm happy to meet up. I'll be at NAB. And then uh, uh, did you see the Unreal Fest in Australia? What's happening? Yeah. God, I'd love to go to that. I don't know if I have time, but I love yeah, Australia. That, I'm eyeballing it like the, 12. the same way. I don't know if I, I really have the, the time or uh uh <laughs> that's a long flight so <laughs> it's a very long know. flight yeah and i'd love to submit a talk and like go chat about vr and ar and all that fun stuff but um yeah it's it's a it's a definitely a, a non-trivial amount of bandwidth yeah. to pull that off <laughs> if you are going to unreal fest in australia let us know yeah curious to, to, to hear who's who's headed there um so could, could even be a fun interview. Like I'd love to just chat with someone who goes to Unreal Fest in Australia and kind of gets a, a tour of the whole experience. Yeah. Well, I, I know the folks from TensorWorks will be there. So oh, perfect. Yeah. We've been talking that's... about having them on the podcast. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's the time. That'd be great. Yeah. And, and they're, they're awesome and based in Australia. Um, one thing I want to shout out briefly. So I will be speaking at the Real-Time Economic Summit in New York City. Um, It's a very exclusive invite-only event, but if you are one of the invite-only people who are coming to it, please do come say hi. Um, It's going to be a discussion about uh, what's the, I'm looking at the topic, open metaverse, web three from promise to reality. I'll be giving a talk about the the utility of of XR in really high-end business models uh, based on a couple projects I've been involved with. And if anyone wants to check that out, it's realtime.community slash economics dash summit. Um, I've been involved with the real-time conference for a few years. I started off curating their architecture track, then did some stuff for their storytelling track. And uh, Jean-Michel, who runs the whole thing, is is amazing and always puts together an incredible list of speakers. There will definitely be folks from Epic um, at this event as well. All right. Well, that just about wraps up the podcast here. Thank you guys for listening, watching. Leave us a like, leave us a rate you know send us five bucks on venmo buy us coffee buy us a beer there you go that's a thought if you uh if you hit us up about these conferences i (laughs) i'll take i'll take bribes as drinks 100 um but uh uh, really we appreciate uh all the support uh and we'll see you on the next episode thanks everyone bye-bye